Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. So in Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, Jesus is talking to a bunch of religious people who actually had access to his word and taught it. He said, why do you transgress the commandments of God for the sake of your traditions? Which tells us that we can be in a religious service, (laughs) hearing God's word penned by people that the spirit of God moved upon and everything being spoken isn't correct. This is why God did one better. He said, I'm going to put myself in you. That way, you'll know when the person teaching is doing it right. Period. But you'll also know when you choose to not take my teaching and do what you want to do. Equal. You know, because again, when I say that, a lot of people like, because Hebrew does say that we don't need anyone to teach us, you know, because we have the Spirit of God. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need the fivefold ministry and we don't need the church because you're violating other scripture when that happens. What it means is you're not obligated to believe what I say because I say it, but the Holy Ghost should confirm what I'm saying based upon Scripture in your life. I believe it, not because Pastor Earl just showed me a truth I've never seen before, or or more correct is not because God used Pastor Earl's voice and study and revelation he gave him to communicate me and open up the light in my heart and my mind to now understand it the way he understands it. I believe it because I searched the scripture myself and it's just that way whether Pastor Earl or somebody else would have said it or a donkey would say it. I know it's true because God spoke to me. And more believers are in trouble because they have American idols as well called ministers that they gravitate to but never check or the scripture themselves to determine is it even reality my wife and I was coming back from Georgia uh, had a little appointment yesterday and coming down and and I was listening to a Christian radio station that I typically do not listen to uh, because there's so much doubt and unbelief in many Christian radio stations I can't listen to it well they ended up having a conversation about prayer And I wanted to rip the radio out of my vehicle because, you know, um, the person says, well, you know, I don't want to have patience. I don't want to pray for patience because if you pray for patience, trouble comes. And I thought, obviously, they know nothing about the fruits of the spirit. So basically, they don't want the Holy Ghost in them that has the fruit called patience. Patience came to you the minute you house the Holy Ghost. So when you're saying, Lord, give me more patience, all you're saying is, Holy Spirit, give me the fruit so I can eat it in that time that I'm not wanting to be patient. And some of you, if you would just symbolically, you know, when you feel anxious about something, say, Holy Ghost, just give me that. You know, you're talking to your kids. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm eating some fruit from the Spirit right now. It's called patience. I'm being patient with you. You, you're going to want me to finish this. <laughs> you're going to want me to finish this, right? I mean, it's crazy the things that people come up religiously with. It's crazy. And obviously this person didn't know how to pray and had no prayer life that was rooted in truth. None. 
And it's sad. I said it's sad. And it's only because of illiteracy of the word. That's why Anchor Faith Church always inspires every person here to read the Bible for themselves. How many of you, since the time you came here and have been a vision partner, you've read it every year with us? All right, of those, how many of that has been five years or more? Keep your hands up, five years or more. All right, how many of you are 10 years or more? How many of you are 15 years or more? See this right here? I'm going into my 18th year since being here of reading the Bible. And you know what? He's still talking to me. I said, he's still talking to me. He's showing me stuff that I went through that. I've read this 18 times through the Bible. I mean, and not the many times that I've studied and brought that verse in from another message. And you're going to talk to me about it different again. Wow. Because it's alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to cut between my spirit and my soul realm so that my mind can get right. So kill the tradition, God. And give me truth, because truth sets me free. I'm a free thinker. Yeah. I'm really the three. We are free thinkers. The only true free thinkers are those who know the truth of God's word. Because if you don't have truth, you're not free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He said, and your truth will set them free. So if you don't have truth, you're not free. I can tell you right now, your mind's jacked up, bound up, locked up. You get on tilt. I see it when I'm preaching. <laughs> I hadn't seen anybody do the whole little 360 yet, but some of you tried because you're looking at the door like, I got to get up out of here, man. This is kicking my tradition. Let me go find a church that lets me live God like I want to. Okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> It's funny the things that people find is like, woo, that's heavy. And I'm like, that ain't heavy. <laughs> How heavy is that? That's not heavy. I don't even know what that means. Uh, Pastor Mark sent me a text. He said this, most Christians select a church based on how well a church accommodates their flesh rather than how well it confronts their flesh. <laughs> he sends it to a few of us. He sent it to Josh Clay, and Josh Clay's response was, well, that's their problem. They chose the church. Because if you read your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 says, and God places you in the body, each individual where it pleases him. That's your problem. Your church shopping and hopping. <laughs> okay. Woo. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm here to inspire you to greatness. And you can only become great if you're in the place that God sent you, a place where you can grow and develop. You should expect to be challenged. Nobody wants to put their child on a team where the coach is like, well, what play y'all want to run? He's five, coach. He don't know. He's playing Barbie dolls at the house. I decided to bring him out here to play some football. And you want him to at what he want to do. Well, you know, I don't want to offend him. I don't, you know, are you tired? I don't, let's don't run anymore. He's tired. I had so much. Well, you did six under football. And I, oh, it's so hot, coach. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah, it's hot. You're in Florida, son. It's hot. Can I take off my helmet, coach? It's itching my head. No, because you'll die. So let's put it, keep it on. Put your mouthpiece in. I don't want to hear your mouth anymore. 
And you know, see, parents are hearing coaches talk like this to their kids, and they're like, you need to do what the coach said. You need to do what the coach said. But then pastor gets up here and says, you need to put your flesh down. We're going to find us another church. Hallelujah. I'm trying to get you to do some spiritual wind sprints, and you want to sit on the bench. I mean, how many believers are like, I just on the bench, can't wait. They're going to win the Super Bowl, and I get a ring, and I don't even get to participate. Now, there ain't nobody getting a ring that didn't participate. All right. Hallelujah. You better become a participator. All right, we're going to talk about tighten it up. Tighten it up. <laughs> That's the title of my message today. Tighten it up. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1. Amen. We're having water baptism afterward. Pastor Angie's going to be doing water baptism today, so we made sure we put more ice in it today. It's extra cold. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says it this way. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Well, we got a problem right there. I could preach the rest of the week on that. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours uh, in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in all. In how much? All. Come on, how much? All. all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I'm holy. If you, address, if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on the earth. Are you still here on the earth? Yes. Yep, because everybody seems alive right now. I'm looking around. I don't see anyone dead. So you're here with us. So this applies to you. Knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile <laughs> way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood, say precious blood. Precious. Come on, say precious blood. Precious. As of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. So verse 13 says we got to prepare our minds for action. We've got to prepare our minds for action. Prepare our minds for action. And we got to make sure that we uh, keep our spirit, uh, keep sober in spirit. Now, if you do not, Keep your spirit sober. You'll get intoxicated. And a person intoxicated has, doesn't have the capacity to judge correctly. And there's a lot of be believers that are intoxicated in the spirit. Now, what do I mean by that? They never put their mind to action, so they listen to any and everyone who says it's of the spirit, and they don't know themselves. I mean, they follow so many people on YouTube right now. The popular ones, you understand. You know, the ones that minister to them. And they take it as if it's gospel. It's God speaking to them. But they've never cracked open the word at all. And their spirit is not sober. They are influenced and are under the influence. In fact, when that happens, the enemy is easy to get in. Because he'll always come as an angel of light. The easiest way for the enemy to penetrate our mind is through our emotions. 
and our emotions are in our mind. They're in our mind. They're not in your spirit. They're in your mind. Some days you're like, man, I just feel happy. The other days you're like, I feel like I don't want to go to work today. Well, why? You went to work yesterday. What happened? I'm not feeling it. Okay. And the enemy will come through your emotions because you have been so trained by them. You've been so trained by them. Only the word of God can separate that emotional realm in your mind from the spirit of God. Only. Right? So I do you a disservice if all I require of you is to make a confession that Jesus Christ is Lord so that when you die, you go to heaven. And Jesus never required me to do that. Now, I know that's shocking when I make that statement, but I make that statement to shock you. Because if you actually understand the Great Commission, he said, go therefore into all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. Go and make disciples. A disciple is not a convert. Conversion is what happens first, discipleship follows. You cannot be a disciple till you are first born again or converted, but many just want you converted without the responsibility of discipleship. I'm responsible for discipleship, which means you can't stay a baby. It's not acceptable to be a baby. Now you can live infant infantile in your thinking for a season because even natural children have that. But that doesn't mean they're not growing. We have, there's a process of time. But the cool thing about the spirit is it can go, go through things a lot faster than we can in the, in the physical at the end of the day. And so we then are going to always challenge what we think we think because does it line up with the word of God? Not how we feel because how we feel can lie to us. It can be factually correct. But it will, dis, it will disable God's power working in your life and bringing heaven to you. We started this series talking about hearing from heaven because the Lord said, now when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven. Whose Father? Come on, whose Father? It's our dad, not just Jesus's. You need to learn your daddy. And don't judge your heavenly Father to your earthly one. Because I don't care how great your dad was. He's still not like the heavenly father who's never failed you. Ever. Ever. So he said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom. Your kingdom what? Notice he's really wanting the kingdom to manifest somewhere. Not take us to it. So heaven is not the kingdom. The kingdom's bigger than heaven. The kingdom's not limited to heaven. Your kingdom, your will be, where? 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 On earth. As it is where? So the only way you can get a heaven's result in the earth is if you can actually hear from heaven. Because the will of the Father is in heaven. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. We've been raised up and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And now we have the Holy Ghost in us. And Jesus from the heaven realm will speak to the Spirit of God and say, Now tell them this. 
This is heaven's will for that situation. And tell them, don't be moved by what they see or think right now, how they feel about it. This is the word of the king. And we've got to become a people, a holy nation that is tenacious to I only do what the king says. Now you say, well, man, I ain't taking orders from nobody. Then you brought your rebellion into the kingdom. Because Jesus does what the father says. Because he knows dad's got life. I'm sticking with dad. <laughs> dad's life. Apart from dad, there is no life. So again, what I say is for the benefit of all creation. Right? But we've been exposed to rebellion. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is just rebelling against the king's government. Because Jesus came to establish a government in the earth. Right? He said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. That's king's dominion. How do you get into his kingdom, his, which is governed by a king? Kingdom means king's dominion. Well, you got to become a citizen. Well, how do you become a citizen of God's kingdom? You have to be born of it. And the cool thing is you can be born again. Nicodemus was jacked up about that statement at 2 o'clock in the morning when he went to Jesus and says, you know, we know you're from heaven. We see the miracles. And he says, unless a man's born again, he can't see the kingdom. He said, unless a man's born again, he cannot inherit or uh, can't enter the kingdom. Right? So you can enter into this kingdom. And we know according to Colossians, we enter into the kingdom because Jesus transfers us, Colossians 2, from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's not into heaven. That's into God's rule where we are now submitted to his rulership where he loves us and he is the embodiment of love because God is love. And we're going to preach that soon one day, what the love of God really is. Okay? And as a result of that, um, his nature, it flows out of that. So anything he's speaking to us and we say, your way, not my way, we produce life. But for us to do this, Jesus knew that you're going to have a hard time as a son of God or as a citizen if you don't change your thinking first. That's why his first message recorded in the gospel, starting with Matthew, chapter 4, verse 17, publicly he steps out and says, repent. Change your thinking for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here in your grasp. It's within reach. It can be, it's going to be operational for you if you'll just get a different mindset. Because after he dies and is raised and we call on his name, then he says, now let me get you, give you my mind. Oh, my. Don't you want his mind? The King James version of verse 13 says it this way. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end of the grace that is to be bought or brought uh, unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, the reason I'm using this particular translation is because of how we said prepare your mind for action, right, in the New American Standard. But the King James says gird up your loins, right? And so prepare your mind for action isn't not saying the same thing as gird up the loins of your mind because we're going to see they're the same based upon an action. So let me have that there, uh, Ricky. This Greek word, gird up your loins, has to do with the Oriental people. Okay, when Paul wrote this. And understand over in the middle, over in the east, especially back in the days of Jesus, okay, 
uh, men, and they still do in India, wear these like tunics. You know, where they have a skirt, basically. Y'all all right? <laughs> Stay with me now. Okay, this is an illustration. All right? So, today we wear jeans, right? Or shorts or whatever. But back in the day, that was not people's dress. All right? Even in Rome, they wore togas, right? They dress. And I've been to India. And I've been to Myanmar. And I've seen the men get it down by the road like this, right? Okay? And they sit like that. And the cool thing is this covers. Now, a lot of these guys at this juncture because there's nothing else under the skirt. So they can relieve themselves in public. And do. Oh, see, y'all don't know how good you got in the United States, man. I mean, you walk on some streets in, in, in other countries, you're like, geez, man, it stinks, man. Well, it's because who needs a porta potty? Perfect porta potty, always with me. It's there. Now, not all the time they do it publicly. You know, they still have. Uh, actual latrine that is a hole in the ground and they still do it this way there is no such thing as a commode you have to find the americanized one of european models in order to be able to do that right and that's the hotels i stay at <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> there's nothing worse than slipping <sighs> yeah anyway <clears throat> Gird up your loins is these, these men, uh, Orientals, would get in a race. They would have a race to run. So because their skirts were so far down to run, they get tangled up in it. It would impede them. It would hinder them. So what they did is they would gird up their loins. They would pull this thing. And I'm going to have glitter all. I'm going to have to dry clean this thing for sure. They would pull it up, gird up their loins, so that they could run their race without being hindered. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Rick Renner in his Sparkling Gym says this. Notice that Peter is not talking about a garment made of material. He's referring to the loins of your mind. You see, Peter was telling us that if we don't deal with the loose ends that exist in our minds and emotions... Correct those parts of our thinking that we, that we know are wrong. Grab hold of all that, those dangled areas in our thinking and put them out of the way and remove them by the authority of God's word. Then we are choosing to permit things to exist in our lives that will hinder our, our steps and slow us down in our race and in our ability to successfully walk with God. If we want to be successful in our spiritual lives and truly walk with God, then we must learn to start dealing. We must start, we must start by dealing with the loins of our mind. In other words, we must seek to deal with all the loose ends in our thinking that haven't been, uh, yet been submitted to the Word of God or surrendered to the Holy Spirit's power. <clears throat> and I see it. So you know now when you start talking to somebody that's got some stinking thinking or a contrary to word, their pants are down. <clears throat> right? They are not girding it up, saying, okay, hold on. You are not going to impede me. Because here's the thing. In this kind of outfit, you can run, but just through process of time, it could slip back out. Drop back down. Next thing you know, you got to stop. Re get, it, get it together. Let's get it together. 
You always have to deal with Jamon because you'll go from faith to faith, glory to glory. Okay, <laughs> everything's flashing sprinkles up here. This is not like a move of God. This is just glitter, okay? Um, <laughs> I mean, there was some kooky stuff back in the day. Look, gold dust, the Lord's here. That stuff like that happened. That's why, that's why people were intoxicated because they didn't get their mind right. Okay, anyway, we do along the lines have to stop and say, hold on a minute, let me get my thoughts together. All of a sudden you hear you have cancer. You better get your thoughts together. Right? We have a pandemic. You got to, oh, you, you got to get your thoughts together. We got people not getting their thoughts. No wonder they're impeded. They run all over the place, tripping all over the place, knowing what to do, what to do, who to trust, what to say, whatever. I'm glad I got a word more sure than anything anybody could say, and I can gird up the loins of my mind and say, all right, I'm going to run this thing through now and not be impeded by all this. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Did you get it? All right. I want you to understand what's going on. Okay. The Passion Translation says it this way. So then, prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert. Thank you, Lord. I'll say that. I had to do this when I was in Valdosta. <clears throat> because you know what? All of y'all have social media. You're running all over the place looking at stuff. And I know there's this little new wave going out about this Passion Translation. That people are wanting to pull it off their app because some guy said, you know, the Lord told him we, he needed to do this translation. At the end of the day, if he's not referring back to the original or any of them for that matter, okay, um, you understand there can be conflict. There's conflict in many translations, actually, and it's not even the passion. I always go to certain passages of Scripture when I go into different translations to determine how they determine certain settings in the Bible. And a lot of times I find the tradition of a denomination in the text. And I know right then, mm, they're slanting it already. Now... The argument then comes, well, gosh, there's so many trans. How can we know what truth is? Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And here's the next thing. You've got to understand, God is a righteous judge. If he cannot keep the validity of his word in truth in the planet, he'll have no leg to stand on when he judges humanity. Because humanity could say, I couldn't figure out what was really you. And it's not going to happen. I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. Now, here's the cool thing about the Holy Ghost living in you is that when you go to any translation for that matter, I don't care if you are the type, you know, that's all stuffy and say, I'm only of the authorized King James Version. Well, listen, King James wasn't around at some point. And who authorized him to authorize? Because if you believe that someone authorized him to authorize it, then why this guy doing the Passion Translation couldn't have had the same authorization? My point is, is I use multiple translations because I'm seeking God's best way to explain a truth. But ultimately, I'm always hearing the Holy Ghost because when I go through Scripture, the Lord said, mm, nah. Because I know the writer of the book personally. I have four books that we have authored. They're on uh, guest relations. Two more are done, and they're at printing now, so to speak. I mean, they're being developed to be printed, Okay. If you took one of our, my books like Cows, Crows, and Constellation and you began to read it, if you went through it and began, I'm not sure what pastor was saying. What does he mean? Come see me. Right? All you got to do is come. I've actually had the forest, our book, translated in Spanish. 
and we printed it. Now, I have people in the congregation that can read Spanish. And they realized when it was translated over, they took more of a literal or legal term in a translation, and they know that's really not the imagery pastor was trying to say. Okay. So even in my own translations, sometimes people can pick a word that doesn't best describe. Just like when I go into Nicaragua and I say, Lord Jesus, they'll say, Señor Jesus. Well, Señor means Lord. But you understand, Señor, they say that for guys in general, like Mr. Well, this ain't Mr. Jesus. So I go a little further and I'll say dueño, right, which is? Master or owner. That's the one. Owner, because maestro is master, right? So, dueño, Jesus, he's the owner. You need to say he's the owner. I mean, he's the landlord. He owns it all. So, you need to get this concept. This ain't like Mr. Jesus. Just another guy you can add to your religion, because that's what they do in India. They love Jesus over there. They have no problem, because they can prop him up with all the other gods. And figure out, if I just worship them all, somebody's got to be right. But Jesus says, you can't worship nobody else but me. So if you're worshiping anybody else, you ain't worshiping me. Even if you got his cross on the shelf. Are you hearing me? So I have to be in India say, you have to denounce every other God. Denounce them. I remember just one couple, we were over there. We were praying for them. And it came down for salvation. I said, you're going to have to denounce every other God. Jesus is the only one. You got to make him Lord. Only Jesus. Well, one started struggling. And I said, in the name of Jesus, we're going to pray this prayer. And when I did, this one person, the eyes rolled back in their head. Bam, they hit the ground. Just like that. They hit the ground. Well, I had a nurse that had went on the trip, came over, and I said, no, don't. This ain't medical issue. few minutes later they kind of came around got back up and prayed what we call the salvation prayer that person had a, a demonic spirit attached to him because of all of its religion and in our conversation that person internally made a decision I can't worship you anymore and when I said the name of Jesus it came out we went back six months nine months maybe a year later that couple who had a child that couldn't hardly walk because it really had a spirit of infirmity on it. And we prayed over that child. Was completely healed when we were back and the family was together in the church thriving, growing because they made him dueño, owner of their lives. Owner of their lives. So what I'm saying is, is that when it comes to scripture, don't get caught up in up. Uh, just say, thank you, Holy Ghost, you're in me, you're teaching me, and you're not anything that I come across within a particular translation that isn't exactly how you meant it. You were there when you told Peter to write it. You were there when you told Paul to write it. You were there when you told, right, Luke to write it, when you told Samuel to write, when you told Moses to write it. You were there. So you know what this means, and he will say, this is what it means. So, the Passion Translation, the first Peter chapter 1 verse 13 says, So then prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. 
For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. Which means you don't operate in grace once through salvation. There's multifaceted of grace and you get grace upon grace. A lot of bad teaching about that. As, as God's obedient children. You know what that implies? That God has some disobedient ones. They're still his kids, but they're not obeying. Which means that he loves them, but he's not pleased. Because obedience is where you have faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God, meaning I just heard God and I'm going to obey that. Now I'm in faith at his word no matter what's going on. I'm not letting my soul get engaged here. I'm not going to let it talk me out of his word. I'm firmly persuaded what God says is it. But we have some of God's children that negotiate that and then say, no, I think there's a better way. And then we're not doing what God says. Now we're not in faith and we're not pleasing God because without faith it's impossible to please him. It's not a love question, but it is a pleasing question. Just like your own children, you've been displeased with them. But I told you to take the trash out. Why didn't you do it? Does that mean you don't love them anymore? No, but you're not happy. You're not, you have no pleasure about it because they just chose not to do what you said. Didn't I tell you to text me when you got to that place? Didn't I tell you not to hang out there? Didn't I tell you love them, but you're displeased. So it shouldn't be hard to think. But see, we can't think of that with God. Why? Because we don't want to ever think that we as God's children would ever be displeased with us. Yet the Bible's very clear when he is. Which tells me then I cannot be in a position of displeasing because I always know how to be pleasing. Okay. As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Aren't you glad you know better? Aren't you glad you can come here and learn to know better? Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For Scripture says you are to be holy because I'm holy. And holy is not perfection. Holy means separated unto God. That means my mind is separated from the way the world would respond to any situation or any report or anything that takes place. I'm not limited to my thinking based upon those things. I have my mind separated to God's way of handling every situation. And my life is different than the way the world lives. It's not governed alone by it. Okay. Since you call on him as your heavenly father, the impartial judge who judges according to each one's work, live each day with holy awe and reverence throughout your time on earth. I love that. Are you glad you're still here? He says, for you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation for all of sin and fall short of glory of God. That's what he's saying. Uh, it, was not it was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb was sacrificed for us. So how do we keep our mind for action? Well, we keep it by filling it with the word. You have to train it. I said you have to train it. Hmm, yeah, that's true. Train it. You have to train it. See, the Lord just popped a scripture in my head. Train it. It's in Hebrews. Um, uh, Daniel, you got your phone? Look it up, the one where it says that we have to be, you know, uh, trained in righteousness to discern good and evil. Okay, it's a, it's a Hebrew scripture, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, um, and just lift your hand when you get it. <clears throat> so when you train your mind, Meaning, you're in the Word. You're saying, Holy Ghost, reveal it. Holy Ghost, reveal it. That was the prayers that Paul, throughout his 
appalling epistles, he's praying for the church that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of their calling, that they would receive revelation, a spiritual revelation knowledge of God's will. What was it? Hebrews 5.14. And it says, but solid food is for the mature. Who been by who then by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil? Solid food is the word of God. The word of God is milk initially, but then it will go on beyond elementary teachings. Because if you go, is that the last verse of that chapter? I think it is. You go over to chapter six, then it says, leaving the elementary principles of the Christ. And you know what an elementary principle is? Being born again. So if all of you know about Jesus is being born again and filled with the Holy Ghost and cast out some devils and judgment to come, you're still uh, in an elementary school, according to Scripture. But he says there's a place that you can move in maturity and have some solid food, and that's when you'll discern good and evil, which means if you're not out of elementary, you're going to have a hard time determining whether Fauci is right. You're going to have a hard time determining whether President Biden is right, uh, President Putin is right, um, you know, your manager at work is right. You're going to have a hard time. But when you have the scripture trained by it, well, then all of a sudden you can say, hmm, you know, you need to tilt on the world and quit tilting in church. Do we really need to do that? Because I got some scripture coming up by the Holy Ghost right now saying I can live a different way. Because I'm of another place. <laughs> I'm not of this world. That's what McKean said. And since I'm not of the world, I'm not limited to only the world's answer for solving problems. Well, praise the Lord. So 2 Corinthians then, verse 10, 5 through 6, says it this way. King James says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience, right? All disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled, okay? The New American Standard says it this way. We are destroying speculations, okay? 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and 6. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Again, Rick Renner concerning this passage of Scripture says it this way. He says, um, he says, to get uh, Paul in this uh, scripture is identifying the primary destination of the devil to get into a person's mind and fill it with lying emotions, false perceptions, and confusion. It was for this reason that Paul urged us to cast down imaginations of everything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity to the, uh, every thought to the obedience of Christ. The word bring into captivity are from the Greek word which pictures a soldier who has captured an enemy and leads him into captivity with the point of a sharpened spear thrust into the flesh of his back. The captured 
uh, enemy knows that if he tries to move or get away, the Roman soldier will shove that spear through his torso and kill him. Therefore, this captive dare not move, but remain silent, submissive, and non-resistant. Now, you may think, why don't they just kill it once and for all? Because you can't kill words. You can only capture them. You cannot pray to God and say, God, I don't want to hear anything that's not you. Okay. That's an unscriptural prayer, and he'll never answer it. And then when you go down the road of flesh and defeated, and you're like, well, you know what? The Lord wouldn't answer my prayer. I just kept getting all these thoughts about women, all these thoughts about this, and all these thoughts about, you know, coveting, and all these thoughts about lying, and all these thoughts about this, and the Lord wouldn't deliver me. No, he empowered you to take them captive. So it's your fault, not God's. Because God did not stop Jesus from having thoughts. The Bible says Jesus was tempted on all accounts. In fact, Jesus' first bout, first real confrontation with the prince of the power of the air, the, the God of this world came after God Phil pulled the Holy Ghost all over me and says, now, what I just gave you is enough to whip the one calling the shots down there. Now, get out there and go see him. And when he was tempted of the devil those 40 days, how did Jesus come back? What did he say? It is written is capturing a thought. He gave him a thought. Well, if you are the son of God, first thought, I'm questioning your identity, son. Well, now... I just came up out of Jordan, and the heavens opened up. Man, I'm sorry you weren't there, but God said I'm his son. Yeah, I don't know that you heard. It's probably thunder. Maybe. What'd you eat for breakfast? Could have been indigestion. You know, people think a lot of stuff. I mean, he's always trying to penetrate, and then he'll really come after you when you're emotionally bankrupt, meaning something's taking place in your life, and pressure's being applied on your mind. And that's when he really wants to get in. And we let him in most of the time because we do not take captive. We do not take captive. So again, you need to be immediate. And Jesus was, it is written. And he said, then he gave him another scenario. And he says, it is written. And he even used scripture on the second one in Matthew, right? And then he comes to the last one and he said, it is written. Then he said, get on down the road. We have the three recorded accounts of things he said, although he he literally tempted him 40 straight days relentlessly. Relentlessly trying to get him to fail. Which means after Jesus left there, the only thing he had to conquer was his self-will. Because he conquered the devil. He knew any other thought coming my way, I can cast it down. The only other thought he had to deal with was a self-thought. Lord... Man, I'd say, geez, if there's any other way that we can do this deal, let this cup pass, but not, not my will. Your will be done. And he arrested the thought of saying, man, I just can't go through with it. I can't, I can't do it. It's too much. He arrested that thought says, I've been anointed for this, and I'm going to do it. And no matter how bad it's fixing to feel, physically and mentally, and then spiritually, because he took on our sin. 
so that we wouldn't have to have the penalty of sin on all three levels of us physically mentally emotionally soulishly and spiritually he took it all on he bore it all and he reigns victorious hallelujah hallelujah so we know he conquered in the spirit but he also conquered in the soul and we conquer in the soul when we renew our minds. It's the saving of the soul that we have a responsibility to, and we save it through taking captive every thought. Anytime a thought comes to me, I'm like, I got to get hold of that. I got that. I grabbed that. And if I don't know the answer, I don't say anything till I can get it. It is written. And a lot of times I can drown out a voice of the enemy because I have the language of the kingdom. Because he gave me power, see. I was born again. I was made in the likeness of God. His spirit came and lived in me and bears witness with my spirit. I'm a child of God. But then he does one else. He empowered me with his spirit. He anointed me with it. The spirit came upon me. And then I began to speak in an unknown tongue that my mind wasn't fruitful to. But it was speaking from my spirit what the Holy Ghost was telling my spirit. And I was releasing it through my mouth. And now I'm speaking in an unknown tongue. And when I'm speaking in an unknown tongue out loud, I cannot think anymore. And I'm glad my mind's unfruitful. Some of you, you do better if you learn to get praying in the spirit because some of you need to get your mind shutting up because you don't have enough scriptural database to be able to pull up and take captive thoughts, but you can drown out thoughts just by praying in the spirit so that which is praying out the perfect will of God. You're allowing God to use your spirit or you go through your spirit to handle a situation on when you don't know how you ought to pray and handle that attack or that thought or whatever, but you can drown it out because turning the music up loud does not drown out your thoughts. Alcohol does not drown it out. Smoking weed does not drown it out. It actually opens up for more voices. Because now you're not sober-minded. And we talked about that mindset last week. And you're, you'll be intoxicated with all kinds of spiritual thoughts that are not from God, but from another spiritual realm. And they've come to kill, steal, and destroy. And you feel like you're losing your mind. Ma, ma, ma. Are you hearing me? So we've got to understand this is not like some. Now, devil, I don't, I mean, I don't want to seem like I'm angry. I'm a child of God, you know. I'm just a peace-loving child of God. And I'm just going to ask you not to talk to me. I mean, you don't talk to the devil that way. You don't even talk to him. You say, shut up, come out, or it is written. Okay. The Passion Translation will close with this passage of Scripture says this. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy. Whew, I like that. I actually really like this translation here. Because it is a deceptive fantasy. You know what a fantasy is? A fantasy is this thing that feels and seems way better than what you're living in right now. Of what's actually reality. And the devil's real good at getting you in fantasy. Now, you'd do better if you didn't go to church. You know, you, you, listen, that's just too much having to do stuff. <laughs> and don't ever give to a church, man. All they do is want your money. Deceptive fantasy. Oh, hallelujah. 
Yep. We can demolish, it says. Notice the terms here. This isn't, we can, through peaceful negotiation and diplomatic relations. No, you understand, when the devil talks, that's all out war. In our, na in our world, talk isn't war. There is a war of words, so to speak, but yet in God's eyes, when words start coming from the enemy's camp, they have fired a shot, and it comes to, we are to come back with retaliation immediately. In essence, we should be like what's over in Israel, those surface-to-air missiles, they call it the Iron Dome, that when it comes up before it can even get, we are knocking out of the air. But like people want to pet the thought, comfort the thought. Why do we comfort it? Because we allow the emotions of our lives, our unrenewed mind, to just bask in the feelings and how I can identify with how you feel and how that feels right. All that seems so real right now. Anybody done any of the new virtual stuff? Where you put on the little thing and you're like immersed into that world. I haven't personally done it, you know. Have you done? I mean, it's, I mean, it's like real stuff. I mean, just uh, computer animation today and graphics. You're watching movies, man, and it looks like it's a real thing and it's not even there. They digitally brought it in. And the devil has done this ability to spiritually, digitally bring things in that unless you know the word, you don't need to say, that's fake, that ain't even right, and you shut it down and you destroy it. But we want to entertain it. We want to walk through its maze. We want to enjoy its adventure for a while. And he says, man, you got to demolish this stuff. Every deceptive fantasy, everyone can't let one through that opposes God and breaks through every arrogant attitude. And notice, arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. The problem that we can't take captive things is because we don't have the actual word to be able to take it captive with. That's why the renewing of your mind is so important. So quit as a child of God settling that I know where I'm going to go when I die. Quit it. Because as long as you live there, You'll never be a threat to the enemy. Never. Never. In fact, he can use you more. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, the devil's doing a real God. His, the people he used the most against Jesus was not the prostitute, was not the cheater, was not the murderer, was not even the Roman government. It was the Pharisees. And a child of God without a renewed mind is no better than a Pharisee, and the devil can use you more to disrupt. In fact, Jesus said, you're a hypocrite. He said, you get you a proselyte, and you bring them over to be like you, and they become more a son of hell. It's more damaging when we refuse to renew our minds. It's more damaging when we refuse to take captive our thoughts. It's more damaging when we walk into our workplace and we respond like everybody else in the situation. Because we don't want to be persecuted. Right. 
for actually thinking. It's quiet. I don't know why it's so quiet. It's just, I mean, it's just good stuff. And there was a time in my life, you know, that I had to continue to change my thinking. That way, when I got in scenarios and situations, you know, you seem a little out there. Well, I am. I'm way out, out to heaven. (laughs) That's how far I went. I went all the way to heaven where life was and brought it back to the planet. And at the end of the day, I thrived in the environment and thrived among the opposition. And God blessed me just like he'll bless you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the last scripture then says it this way. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. You have to make a choice today that being born again is not good enough while you stay on the earth. You got to decide today, I'm going to be everything God wanted me to be. Because it's not about getting you to heaven. It's about you becoming a son of God now. And operating as a son of God now with the mind of Christ now. It's the ability to hear from heaven and have confidence that I heard God. It has to be this way, can only be this way, and that's it. And I refuse to think another way. And if another thought comes, I'll cast it down because I refuse to think anything other than what Dad says and how to handle this situation like Dad says. And it will go against the way you feel. Your kids are blowing it, screwing up, messing up. And you're like, man, it seems like they're running from God. Well, are you training them? Have you trained them? Have you been an example? If you have, you got some scripture that says, train up a child the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. I don't know what that old is. But at the end of the day, if you'll just trust God, God has a way of keeping your kids around. If you'll just stay righteous and live right and follow the word, even though it may be at opposition of how they're doing, you know, and we see this in our teenage lives. I mean, you're seeing in elementary lives now more and more the rebellion that tends to take place. But man, if you'll just stay with God and not be moved emotionally by that, you're doing more good for them. Same thing at work. Not moved by all the rhetoric and everything going on. Not moved by the government and all the stuff happening in the world. But you're taking every thought captive. You're keeping a sound mind. And you're like, man, I I need to get in the Word. What's it say? If you spend as much time in the Word as you do on Fox News, CNN, and social media, we would be unstoppable right now. And half the arguments that are out there, we would see through them as easy as clear glass. Be like, well, that's just a lie. That's just not even true. That's not how the church is. Because the world really just is looking for what we have. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.